Welcome to the fourth episode of the State of the Arts podcast, where we speak to artists and creatives from across the north of England. This week I had the delight of talking to DJ Paulette. Paulette was playing in the Hacienda in the 90s and has DJed across the world since she had an amazing career and has done tons of amazing things outside of DJing. We spoke about everything that's exciting about Manchester at the moment. We spoke about what the future holds for the uh, nightlife and events industry, but we'll start with um, our conversation about the state of the nightlife at the moment in the UK. She had some fascinating things to say, and I'm sure you guys will enjoy our interview with DJ Paula. You know, right now, I think... There's a lot of frustration across everybody involved in creative industries, whatever you're doing, whatever role you play, whatever the industry is. It's a real, uh, you know, it's a real tough time uh, at the moment. Oh, it's an absolute nightmare, I think, for anyone in the creative industries. As soon as, I mean, as soon as we hit March. Um, for me, it was the beginning of March when everything started shutting down because obviously hospitality closed down earlier than anything else. We were the first to go and we're going to be the last to come back. Um, hospitality events creative industries self-employed first to shut down whether you were a hairdresser a makeup artist even builders like you you know self-employed were just out for the count from the beginning of March and it's been a really um I would say incredible ride but in the true sense of the word, as incredible, as in unbelievable, as in not credible. What this government has done um, to almost erase, practically erase um, a whole sector of the economy. But the thing is, I also think they shot themselves in the foot a bit because not only have they raised the whole sector of the economy, they're talking about, you know, when they were talking about bringing the students back and everyone should go back to university and everyone should go back to college, they've not had the foresight to think that all of those students who are doing arts and creative, fashion, design, music, theater, acting, events management, all of them will be sitting there thinking, why the hell am I doing this degree? Mm. Because possibly by the time I've finished it, there won't even be an industry for me to go to. So that's where I think the government have been really stupid because, you know, with someone like Rishi Sunak denying saying that he said everybody should retrain, that single thing has put a big red cross on a lot of further education courses, a lot of vocational further education courses. And, you know, it is that thing, whether you are a ballet dancer, a makeup artist, a DJ, a singer, an artist, songwriter, you name it, your job is actually, um, you have to consider now whether you are viable. And that's never been a consideration, really. I mean, apart from your parents saying, oh, do you think you should get a proper job? But really, they know if you're working day in, day out, you have got a proper job. But for someone at a government level to dismiss 
all of those jobs in that environment, it's like um, really has just reduced the workforce to Amazon delivery people, supermarket shelf stackers and tellers and you know, upper middle management, you name it, whether you work for Sainsbury's, Asda or whatever, or tech companies, you know, let's all go and work for tech. Yeah, I don't think they've thought really, really thought it through what it means when they say, maybe you should consider retraining because we've got a whole generation of people coming through further education that are training to go into the careers that they've just rubbed out. And then you end up saturating the jobs that are left and that everybody now has to go for. So then it becomes... Well, exactly. Exactly. You know, they can say, oh, you know, there are plenty of jobs, but plenty of jobs for um, 10 times as many people. You know, and those jobs, um, you know, even though even though they can say those jobs are available, those jobs are going to go to the person most likely to fill it best. You know, it's not going to go to, um, it's not going to go to Joe DJ who hasn't worked for 10 years, who hasn't worked in an office for 10 years. It's going to go to somebody who's worked in an office and is moving jobs or somebody who's trained up to do that particular job. So, you know, they, they've kind of got this, happy valley head on them for the jobs that will be available for everybody to do and i think that's really really dangerous but that's the conservatives and i think they're idiots and do you do you find that um do you get a sense that people have a sense of time like do people know how long they they think they're gonna have to be waiting until they can open again and we they don't. can start putting on stuff again we don't we don't i've had so many conversations in the last three four days with people who are um you know either they're running magazines or they're running events they're running record labels they're running clubs bars you name it and everybody's just like we honestly don't know what to do because it's changing by the week it's nobody's fault. It's changing by the week. If we all believe, and nobody is a conspiracy theorist, that COVID's real, the spike is real, the figures are right, um, and we should all be, um, you know, taking heed of whatever lockdowns they tell us to do. Fair enough. But because these are changing and because almost as soon as you go into one lockdown, so Manchester was in tier two, within the week we were in tier three. And as soon as we went into tier three, they were threatening developing a tier four, mm. which shuts down everything. So it's just like as soon as we started to get going, just when we think we're okay, we're actually being told it's back to square one, snakes and ladders, um, deal with your financial stuff yourself. But I mean, I know this isn't just happening in the UK. I was watching the news last night and they showed, um, you know, they were showing Rome because they're just about to go into a full lockdown again in Italy. And um, they were talking to a family that owned one of the most famous restaurants in 
Rome and they were saying exactly what I just said. You know, just when just when we think we're out of the water, we're, we're in a rhythm for work and we're in a rhythm for work, which is now COVID regulated, less people, less money, less tables, less everything. But we're coping and we're starting to see a light, you know, we're starting to see some kind of return for the work and the investments that we've made in terms of changing our business and changing our business plan to reflect what's required of us through COVID reg regulation. And then in comes another lockdown, which not everyone can deal with another lockdown, financially, mentally, psychologically, um, you know, that's yet to be seen. And, you know, um, like I say, I've been speaking to people that own record labels and magazines and all of that. And, and basically we've all just said the, be the best that we can do is just keep it going for as long as we can keep it going. And um, however many different ways it changes, we've got to adapt, 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 adapt until we can't do it anymore or until they say we can't do it anymore and that's the point when we will have to start to think about maybe doing something else but the doing something else is definitely plan z or maybe n or o you know it's halfway down the alphabet really i think we've got a lot of adaptation to do and a lot of changes and a lot of creative bobbing and weaving to do before we think about ducking out of it. But I was looking at the musicians union figures and I think, is it something like um, already, is it 17% of their members have said that they already are thinking of leaving the profession. And that's after only five or six months of lockdown. Which is serious, you know, it's a serious business, but you know, it's money at the end of the day. Everybody's got to feed themselves, you've got to put food on the table, clothes on your back, you've got to pay your rent. All those bills are still coming in, whether you're earning money or not. You know, um, dealing with that is, uh, is the mind gym par excellence, really. Um, I think what you sort of touched on earlier about um, the conversation of what somebody was describing in Rome and the yeah. fact that they had to adapt and the fact that they made this COVID friendly business model. It's almost it's this kind of sad irony that the industry that was adapting hardest and fastest and was making sure that they could continue and do what the government told them to do was the one that was punished. Exactly. Exactly. It's so hard. It's really, really frustrating because, you know, um, like I say, hospitality clubbing events first to go you know when the lockdown came they were brutal it wasn't just oh uh, you know we'll have a slow like measured shutdown it was from one day to the other it's like you close that's it no one can come blah 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 and it was just like wow like the, a, a collective deep trauma throughout the whole of the city in terms of events. You know, watching 
what was once a vibrant strip in the northern quarter, watching what, what was once a vibrant strip in Deansgate and, um, you know, all those pockets in Manchester, Whitworth Street, Deansgate, Northern Quarter, going towards the Apollo, going towards the arena, that were, were like, it's like the heartbeat of the city, along with football, obviously, Manchester City, Manchester United, these places that were once like, so noisy and so full. And then it's like a ghost town overnight. Mm. Weird, weird. And like I say, you know, that the, these are the companies that have had to make the biggest changes. And still, we can't go back. So I don't know. No, nobody really knows. And people try, I think people are trying not to think too much on the dark side. And um, are just really trying their best to forward plan as much as possible and see some kind of future in it. You, you spoke about uh, adaptation and yes. you uh, yourself did a few uh, remote sets. You were yeah. DJing out yeah, a lot. From, I did. Uh, yeah, and that was uh, yeah, Boiler Room Runner on a, a project NTS and others were making sure that there was still DJs performing and there was still yep. people listening and dancing in their houses. And um, Absolutely. Do you and United We Stream, United We Stream in Manchester, and I did a lot of streams for them. Um, uh, sorry, so I inter interrupted you, but I had to mention them because of all of the streams that were online throughout lockdown, certainly in Manchester terms and in Northern terms, and also on a global scale, because some of the streams that they did through United We Stream were getting a million, a million and a half hits. So they did a really good job at keeping the music and the events and the live, um, live lifestyle going throughout lockdown and I, I have to hand it to them at United We Stream. I, it was a massive initiative, massive fundraiser for the arts and ends and um, they, you know, well, they won an award in it anyway. So there you go. Yeah, I was watching a couple of those and you, know, you see the YouTube comments and it's just so much positivity and um, maybe you even get some more direct feedback and you hear about the, the, the impact that streams like that have uh, on people's day-to-day -day experience and how they're dealing with the pandemic and does that make you think about if there is going to be more extended periods of no clubs and no people getting to dance do we need more of that do we need a full program of something? yeah well you know it would be nice to think that or not nice to think that because really of all of these things, whether it's a, a, a gig, whether it's Ed Sheeran or, or I don't know, Louis Capaldi or, or Children of Zoys or, you know, whoever, live events need people. You really, you know, part of the absolute joy of going to see somebody live is that energy 
that passes from the stage to the pit to the floor to the um you know floors upstairs and then it's like in this round and then with all the people next to each other it's kinetic it's like an energy exchange and you that is the one thing that you cannot no matter how hard you try you cannot replicate that online it's impossible because you can't get that energy from a million and a half computers switched on simultaneously to watch i don't know um carl cox um doing a live stream you don't get that sense of there being a million and a half people watching it yeah it's only you in front of your computer and maybe a few mates um but it is a very it's a good um it's not a brilliant replacement but at least it keeps it there at least it keeps that connection the connection is made it's just that you don't get the energy exchange mm -hmm. do you think there's other ways that um the industry and the the sort of culture is going to have to um innovate and there's other ways that are going to dramatically other things that are going to dramatically change about going to events and djing um aren't just well i mean i i did actually see that carl cox his next stream is um virtual reality so maybe that's it but you are gonna have to have a lot of money to create a stream in virtual reality so it rules out if that's the way it goes it kind of rules out anyone that hasn't got those kinds of funds to make that kind of event happen so all your little djs can, are going to disappear it, it just means that only people who can put on big shows can can entertain people if that if that's the way it goes but i don't think that's the way it is going to go because there's always going to be pirates i mean some might argue that you know there's a couple instances in manchester as well of um you know big physical in the flesh parties going on um yeah. and some are starting to suggest that uh, eventually patience among the young is going to run out yeah it's going to go underground well it's already done that once or twice you know i think there's no question as to that's why we're where we are right now with the spike between 18 to 30 year olds because if you track it back <laughs> it's when they got bored and started having parties and and you know i was in i was in manchester city center this weekend and I was driving home about 10 o'clock in the evening, driving through, um, it's like the back of Whitwood Street and there's loads of student halls there. And the noise, <laughs> they might be locked down, but they ain't, <laughs> you know. How is anyone policing that? I didn't see anyone. I didn't hear anyone knocking on the doors and saying pipe down. So, um, yeah, 
I think probably people are going to get bored, but I think it's going to be small scale get bored and do parties because I think the police are really going to come down on anything bigger than 30 people. Mm. Can I ask what was the last, um, what was the last event you played, the last in-person set you did? The last in-person stream I did was Headstock, but that wasn't in front of a crowd. The last in-person set I played was, it was that weekend that I did Glitterbox at the Printworks in London. And then I did Albert Schloss on the Sunday and in Manchester. I think that was it. Yeah, March. Was it a good uh, sort of last Crying. weekend before? Uh... It was amazing. It was amazing. It was that last weekend as well, where it was just on the border where they were talking about possibly having to shut down hospitality because this um, virus was picking up pace and we didn't know whether we were going to be able to have that party and then it was like yeah you're fine go ahead and we had that party and it was it was amazing it was really brilliant it was just such a good party Horsemeat Disco on the main floor, Luke Solomon, Simon Dunmore, um, Kathy Sledge doing a live, The Vision also did a live, um, there was me, there was Kitty Smile in the other room, there was John Joe Jury, it was, it was just a brilliant, brilliant party and everyone was there to have a good time and I don't know what the numbers were like for that, it might have been about 4,000 people, maybe more. Probably more actually. It was brilliant. Great. Uh, we saw. Um, I think the last thing my my mates and I did. We um, went to White Hotel to see uh, Code Nine do a ten hour set okay. or something, which was the week, weekend before it all it all uh, locked down. But it was just you know there was that two week period. It just changed completely. It was yeah. fine one minute and then it wasn't the next. But you know we we're in yeah. the we're in the White Hotel surrounded by people thinking uh, not only is this going to be the last time that we. We don't get to do something like this, but um, we might have even picked up the virus ourselves in this situation. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I remember feeling like that when I was in London, when I went to do the Glitterbox party. I remember I was nervous and I'd spoken to Simon Dummer and he's like, no, you're fine. You know, you're fine coming to London, honestly. <laughs> I was like, right, okay. Yeah, then. The okay. virus will never get to London. That'll never be <laughs> It'll a never problem. Get I'll never go. No, but I mean, at the time, it wasn't. You know, it they they didn't have the numbers that we had in the north. So you know, and still, but anyway, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I didn't do any plague raves, though. You can guarantee. You can bet your bottom dollar on that one. I didn't do a single plague rave. <laughs> <laughs> um, in in this period. Um, I, I'm interested to know how you've been uh, sort of discovering music still. Have you been uh, got, got anything that you've found is a really good source that you haven't found before? Do you, um, you obviously can't go to records. Yeah, my, my packed record boxes, um, which I was having really good fun going through and then I got a rat in the garage. 
<laughs> and I won't go in there now because I'm just phobic. I was really yeah. phobic about vermin, so that's it mm-hmm. for me. It's like eat all the eat all the cardboard and records you can, you fat rat. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like the records belong to the rat now. So oh, I'm really upset about that. It's got some proper sounds in there, but you yeah, know, has he got some mini turntables that he's playing with as well? Is he like trying the records himself? It's probably having a rave over there, isn't it? It's like. <laughs> Inviting people, <laughs> like, <"Shh."> <laughs> <laughs> don't wake her up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so there are a few boxes of vinyl in there that I still need to get out, um, but they're underneath a lot of stuff. So, um, yeah, that'll take some proper it'll take some good weather as well now because now it started raining i'm definitely not doing it because that's no fun in the rain and the doubt mm. what are you uh, most looking forward to playing when you get the chance what, what any clubs in manchester or any clubs across the country in particular i am absolutely gagging to play a proper full house and tech set again i because i'm still playing like bar sets um mm. but you know so i'm still playing bar sets disco funk rare groove you know a bit of eclectic you know smooth grooves that kind of thing but i would love to get on the decks and absolutely crank out some sleazy dirty tech house for three hours four hours and just Fuck everybody up. <laughs> <laughs> Anywhere in particular. That's what I'd like to do. Um, well, I think if Ray Island opened their indoor as they were going to and um, get their clubby thing going, that would be pretty major. I think if Puffin Box finally gets to open, that could be a cheeky little spot. Yeah, I mean, Frey Island's an interesting one. It's done quite a good job, I think, of... Uh convincing people for for like an hour or two that they're not in a massive pandemic so i think it's getting quite a lot of um yeah it is it is my the only thing for me with all of these is you just look at the weather outside Mm, yeah it's i i am terrible i am a total princess i admit it I am from Manchester. I don't mind the rain, but I do not like getting piss wet through and paying for it. I just really don't enjoy it. So um, the sooner they get to move things indoors, <laughs> the happier I will be, you know, because I'm not happy sitting in the rain with an umbrella up trying to keep a burger warm and underneath a heater and feeling pretty miserable. I like it needs to be at some point we need to move inside, you know, it's winter. It is winter now, even though there are still some flowers trying. Really trying, but um I'm not moaning though. I'm, I'm honestly not moaning. It's great. It is great. And and people do people I've been to see comedy at Freight Island and it 
people were actually laughing. So, you know, so people don't mind being outside. It's just me because I'm pathetic and I don't like being cold. Most people in Manchester go out without a coat on and no tights and a tiny little skirt and a vest top. So most people aren't bothered, but I am. I don't like being cold. There. So there you go. <laughs> so um, you, you're in um, North Manchester near, near the park now. Um, yeah. Have you been there? Have you? What's your kind of geographical story? Where have you been? Oh, God. Um, well, no, I haven't always been here. I, I was born in North Manchester. Then I lived in Oxford for three years with my mum while she did a degree. And then we came back and I lived in Fallowfield and I went to school in Didsbury and Fallowfield and Rusham and all of that for years. And then I moved to London in 94. I was there for 10 years. And then I moved from London to Paris and I was there for nearly 10 years. And then I moved from Paris to Ibiza and I was there for nearly three years. Well, two and a bit years. I didn't make the three. I couldn't, couldn't hack it actually for three years. It was just I've just found it too hard living. I mean, I know most people only stay for a week and they say that's too much. So it's too hard. No, it's just, just for me, I, well, first of all, it's a seasonal place. So you can only really work three months out of 12 as a DJ and a creative, you know, that there are other jobs on the Island for sure. But if you're anything to do with clubs and events, you can only really work three months of the year. And um, and then for the rest of the year, it's a beautiful island. I love it. Loads of walks, swimming, beaches, you name it. But they're just, you know, one cinema, one museum, Netflix and chill. It was just, and if you're not in a couple, it was miserable. And I, I've been single for probably more in my life than I've been in relationships so it's just the moodiest thing is going around to dinner parties and always being the single one and it just did the head in a bit it's like this isn't for me this <laughs> this really isn't for me you need to be able to do other things you know and financially it was just a bit of a disaster only being able to work three months of the year was just like <laughs> pants mm. Um, good training for good training for a pandemic though i can tell you <laughs> really good training for a pandemic it set me up <laughs> um but so you played you know like you say you played various different places um like as a dj as well do you have like a particular place in the in the world that you get the biggest buzz off or that you you can't wait to to go and play or is it still is manchester just that's your home um, where you're most comfortable. Manchester with. really now, um, Manchester is always a big buzz. London, without doubt, without doubt. Uh, the last few times that I've played in London have just been bloody amazing. So um, definitely English parties, English parties, English parties have always been really good, whether it's a gay party, a straight party, a tech party, house, disco, whatever i've had really you know 
Manchester, London, England <laughs> has given me a lot of love in the last five years. So, um, you know, no complaints on that score. Uh, I liked Croatia. I've had some fun times in France, lots of fun times in France. But really, for me, yeah, it's England, Manchester, London, vibing. I was going to ask you about uh, Manchester as well, because obviously you... Um... You played recently, but you were there in the in the 90s when um, you know sort of Manchester as its most famous incarnation as a rave city was yeah, yeah. in existence. And um, I think some people argue now that the, the reputation it had back then for this sort of pioneering um, music scene, it's not even the uh, uh, sort of biggest rave. Uh, city in the UK, let alone even in the north. Not everybody feels like that, but I was wondering if you Yeah, have any- well, um, that's fighting talk. <laughs> it really is. That's fighting talk. I'd like to say um, if Manchester isn't where it is in the north, because um, are you talking about Scotland there? Are you talking about Leeds? Are you talking about Liverpool, maybe, because seriously, they all come to Manchester. (laughs) So um, I'd very politely say bollocks. (laughs) 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 It's all about Manchester in these quarters, mate. It's the Mancunian way. (laughs) I'm never going to hear it. I'm never going to hear it. I'm sorry. Fell on deaf ears. Sorry, pardon. Mm. <laughs> what was that you said? Didn't hear it. Um, yeah, nonsense. Yeah. yeah. Does it feel? Like, um, does it feel? Uh, obviously, it's not. I mean, hold on a sec. I've got a big poster on my wall from Homo Block. It's like one of the biggest parties that has ever been thrown in the north. And then you've got Warehouse Project. Normally, that would be going September to December every year. There isn't any city in the north that does those two things like there isn't any equivalent to either of those parties so i would honestly politely have to say bollocks on record on record record as being um the potty mouthed person that i am (laughs) (laughs) and dismissing the question out of mind Oh, there's, yes, there's there's the now wave boys that do, yes, so if you want it, like, for the underground parties, they've got the, you know, they've cornered the market, and if you want the live events, then Albert Hall, and the Cathedral, and the Ritz, and the arena, you know, the arena for the big pop ones, it's like, actually, Manchester is it. Yeah. You know, Ariana Grande came back to Manchester. You know, that like all the after the arena thing, she could have done anywhere in the world. She could have done that party anywhere in the world, and she came back to Manchester to do it. Um, Manchester Festival, smashing it. Don't hear anyone talking about the Leeds Festival. Like the Manchester. I mean, it's not. I love Leeds and I love Sheffield and I love Glasgow and I love all these other places. But sorry, Manchester does do music better than anyone. 
And do you have an yeah. idea as to why that is? Why do you think Manchester does music better than everyone? Why has it been like that for so long? Um, I think it's down to the people that organise the party. So you've got like Sasha Lord and the Warehouse Project kit. You've got um, Luke and Justin Una Bomber that do Homo Electrics and Homo Block. You've got Wesley and John from Now Wave. And then you've got... Um, the people at Mission Mars that do Albert Hall, Albert Schloss, all of those. They've just got really super switched on um, organisers and, and like trend, almost like trend analysts who can figure out how to put on these great parties. And then, then you know, you've got people like Sophie B who will just like all the productions and the dancers and the choreography, choreographers and like makes the events out of it. And, and we've just got really solid creatives here that can make that magic. And that's without them even putting a DJ in there. That was like the <laughs> ultimate list of shout outs you just did there. That was <laughs> you know they're just like you know I mean even if you think about the people at home in Manchester and they like the the theatre that they put on there and then you've got people like um it'll come to me you've got Rivka Burns who does the Manchester International Festival superb like switched on and she also does Sounds of Another is it Sounds of Another City Festival as well like they're just super talented people here that really know what they're doing in terms of putting on events and entertaining people and making people really proud of where they come from. And all of those people, I just bow down to Natalie from Mission Mars, who does Arbor Hall. They're just dope people, really dope people. Love story. See, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, in... Um... Uh, in the sort of time that's passed, you know, a lot of change in terms of technology and in terms of like how events are done and the kind of music that's played in clubs and the kind of people that, that go to clubs. Do you think all of that's for the better? Do you think it's a mix? Do you um, have anything about, do, do you have any thoughts on the way that things have changed that you are sort of happy, happy about or maybe re resentful about in any way? I, um, one of the things that always kind of irritates me when I'm DJing is when people come up to me with their phones and say, can you play this off my Spotify? <laughs> no, I can't. No, I can't. Yeah, but you can plug it into your mixer. No, I can't. How, <laughs> how should I get that? You'd be surprised how many times people do that. Because the annoying thing is, and you can't really blame people for it because this is the culture that, technology creates is that in the olden days the DJ was king the DJ had the music the DJ had the knowledge the DJ had the library the DJ had the choice now anyone can have 60,000 tunes in the Spotify playlist like their Spotify library or their Apple music library and they've got it in their phone, in their pocket, which they want to give to you 
and show you their best playlist or somebody else's playlist. I've got like people coming up to me and saying, have you heard of this DJ? It's like, fuck off. Because <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm really polite like that. <laughs> but it just, because it is so readily available, people don't think what it represents when they go up to a DJ who is playing and ask them to play something totally different or ask them to play something that they want because what it gives people, what having this playlist gives them is this sense of entitlement. It's like, I've got all this music. Um, I've got more music than you. So you should play my music. You should play what I've chosen. And that's, that is one of the things that I hope maybe being in lockdown will have reduced a bit because maybe it will bring that appreciation of hearing music played by somebody else because everybody's been stuck at home playing their own music for six months now. It's like maybe they'll be sick of their playlist now and they'll want to hear something you know those same records played in a different order by 10 other djs rather than <clears throat> this is my playlist played in this order mm. or on shuffle so maybe it will have been not such a bad thing to be locked down and bore people with their own record collections because <laughs> by the time we come out of it they'll want to hear something else <laughs> positives COVID positives. Um, it's interesting what you said about um, the the way that people see the DJ. Do you think that the role of the DJ has changed a lot in terms of perception or in terms of how it's held up by um, non-DJs and by the people? Massively, massively. And I, like, my worry, well, not worry so much, but I am really wondering if, that superstar um, DJ circuit will have had a big hole blown through it by COVID and lockdown because for the last, I mean, we're, we're going into a year. Well, not a year. We're, we're nearly in, what is it, seven months now? So over half the year of not having all those big people playing. So will that star system have changed a bit? Will people still be crazy about all these people that were once revered as the number one? So is David Getter gonna be as important as he was a year ago? Is Carl Cox gonna be as important as he was a year ago? Is Seth Troxler gonna be important as he was a year ago? You know, these are all like big question marks. We don't know whenever this comes back, if people will have changed their allegiances slightly, if it will have shifted, if their tastes will have changed or, do you know what I mean? It's, mm. it, it's, a, big, it's a big question mark. Who's are those people going to still be the heavy hitters? We don't know. What would you expect? What do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, did people vote for Trump? 
<laughs> I mean, I suppose it's like a co- kind of utopian dream that it's going to completely upset the apple cart so that new talent will come through. Mm. through. But my hope is that new talent will come through. You know, it, it will enable the people that were being kind of squashed down to rise a little bit through the ranks. And I think certainly what I've seen in the last year, and particularly specifically with um, Black Lives Matter, is a lot of people of colour coming through the ranks, which is nice to see. But whether that, whether we make that transition of people of colour being visible through lockdown, being visible on posters when we come out of lockdown, that's yet to be seen. We don't know. But it would be nice if that transition happened as well, for real. Yeah, I think there's there's been scepticism that there was, um, yeah, like you say, sort of moments um, following BLM and following everything that happened uh, throughout June that uh, sort of gestures by organisations and... Yeah. Um, things were said, things were done, things were put on social media uh, initially, um, but some people are sceptical whether this is a sustained act or, you know, whether... Yeah, it's follow-up. It's like what we need to see is the follow-up. So this is where it's, again, where I keep saying it's a big question mark, it's a big question mark. We need to see people putting their money where their mouth is. It's like, it's one thing um, giving a check to a Black Lives Matter charity, but if we come out of this lockdown and you have an event with 20 DJs of which there is not one single woman and not one single person of colour, then you you kind of stuck a hypocrite sign all over your poster like a big sold out. You, so we'll see, you know, we don't see, we, we don't know until we come out of it how people are actually really, truly going to react. And I should stop being such a big mouth because I'm definitely not going to work. <laughs> I mean, yeah, sort of characterising it as this kind of levelling thing, I think is interesting so, because that this, um, this truth that, you know, there are no events and there are no DJs no matter where in the world you are, like, it's, it's not happening at all. And then that yeah. emergence will be interesting. What dictates who emerges and who is successful now is going to be, yeah, I think you're right. That is going to be really interesting to see. And I think maybe you are also correct that um, because there has been such a sustained period of time of quite progressive conversation and rethinking of um, the status quo and the way that people are represented, maybe this is a better chance than there has been for um, underrepresented or um, people with less opportunities to, you know, from, as we say, this level playing field to get that chance they deserve. We would hope so. I would hope so. You know, uh, you know, I am the eternal optimist. I really am. I'm the eternal optimist. I keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. Real Robert the Bruce person, which is why you saw me nearly wet myself when I thought there was a spider on my head. But... <laughs> <laughs> it's like I do think I do believe in the goodness of humankind I think most people um are pretty decent and if they've said they will change things 
they will change things. And it's not going to be an overnight, but it's baby steps. So let's just see what happens. I'm, I'm open and I do believe it will change. It has to anyway, because there's people like me and there's people like Anne's and there's people like Jaguar Bingham and there's people like Foot Butcher and there's people like DJ Mercury in a mix mag. And, and apart from that, apart from that, there's people who have actually written on a piece of paper in order to get a culture grant <laughs> that they are going to be diverse organisations so they better fucking have be. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. You, um, you, you mentioned Anne's actually. Do you um, have any other big sort of um, up and... Um, up and coming Manchester talent you want to shout about any stations um, event organizers DJs producers people that you think are shining the light everyone everyone because they're all so bloody brilliant um there's um Kat and Natalie who are doing puffing box whenever they get this puffing box thing off the ground whenever they are allowed to open it it will be brilliant because those two girls are magic. They're magic. And they are so switched on and they really put on good parties. So I, I was so disappointed. It was like the weekend we were going to open Puffin Box. August. It was the first weekend in August and they locked it down again. Mm. And Everyone was so depressed. <laughs> Everyone was so depressed. And I just really hope for them that because it's so different as well. And they're just trying to work within this, I hate to say it, but new normal of entertaining people. So that's one thing that I think will be quite interesting to monitor in terms of events. And um, what was the question again? Uh, talent, young talent in Manchester. Yeah, young talent coming through to organise. Yeah, um, Pops Roberts. Uh, she has a band called Love Scene. Um, they've started doing really great things. Pops used to be um, a singer and an MC for the So Flute parties, and now she started her own thing. Um, watch out for them. Um, they've. They're just about to start a little residency at the Carlton Club in um, Wally Range. Yeah, that's and, what I wanted from me, um, Yeah, go, check them out. They are super, super good. Great musicians, really entertaining. Pops is just magnificent anyway. She's just adorable. Really super, super nice woman. And um, so, yeah, I rate them as well. Um, so Anne's Pops, um, Jenna G, she's starting a, um, a brunch session at Freight Island. Watch Freight Island as well, because that, like I say, they're about to open the indoor. So when that goes indoor, that will be different again. I can't remember what they've called the indoor. Is it platform 15 or is yeah, platform 15 yeah, outdoor? Yeah, I think they've called it something else and it launches at the beginning of November. 
they're doubling the space or something aren't they they're gonna get twice as many um vendors and tables and everything yeah so you've seen so you know what i'm talking about so you can Mm. fill in those gaps because i can't remember the name (laughs) um but do watch that because i think that will be i mean freight island anyway is stunning what the the job that they've done with making that space look so beautiful and appealing when basically it's a walkthrough um and it looks like magic and when the night falls and you've got that um ferris wheel lit up it just looks incredible they've just done such a great job of that and yeah look at them um what else can i think of it's been a pretty comprehensive list across the whole chat to be fair you've really uh, been shining a spotlight across the whole city i think oh there's just so much going on and, and even see this is this is what's really beautiful about manchester even in our darkest hour even when we are on our absolutely on our asses on our knees we will still try to make something we will still try to come out of it like smiling and singing and having a nice time of it because you know what's the point of having a shit time of it like you know if you're going to go down you might as well go down singing mm. i think the resilience of the city is something you can really feel everywhere you you go nowadays um in the DNA, really is. It's like resilience is like a key word for a mank, really. Like you, you can just take anything that life throws at you. Like and and speaking to my friends as well, it's like everybody is really fighting every day just to try and keep everything going so that we've got something to go to you know that we've that so that life isn't just all about paying your bills and having a shit time of it we're all having a shit time of it so let's do something nice let's just put something a little bit beautiful in there and let's that's you know we can't hug but we can elbow bump And we can still listen to music, even though it's like quieter than a hairdryer. <laughs> um, I was going to ask you one more question about. Um, yeah. You, know, you, you, you sort of, you talked about Paula as um, a legend. You get the term legend, um, yeah. sort of directed your way. Legend, up. legend. There you go. Um, and yeah, someone who's experienced a kind of um, yeah revived recognition. You've spoken actually, you know, over the last year about. Um, and you know, further back about the sort of oversight that you experienced yeah. in the DJ. And obviously, I, I feel like last year, as you've said, you know, you, you're getting booked and you, you know, you're getting the the recognition and the term legend yeah. coming away as it as it should have done. And um, how, how do you feel about the term? It kind of implies a sort of um, like the careers, you know, <laughs> done in a way. But then well, you're still you know, you're going at it. You're still out there. You're still. This is the thing. In fact. In fact, it's like 2018, I did an exhibition at the Lowry Art Gallery and it was fantastic. It was fantastic. I make no bones about it. It's like the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, And one of the things I am absolutely most proud of is this exhibition. And um, 
it was part a retrospective, part new commission pieces, which I worked with um, fabric and fashion designers. I worked with like um, urban artists. I worked with various people to create like unique pieces for this exhibition. And then in the middle of it all was this music central like Spotify playlist, which I'd created to reflect the decades of my life because I'm an old bird. And um, that's also how you get the name legend because you've got to be quite old <laughs> to qualify. Um, so when I did that exhibition, people felt like it was the end of days and somebody actually asked me it's like oh you're not giving up DJing are you I'm like no that's not why I've done the exhibition I did the exhibition because I was invited to tell the story I was invited to tell the story and the story that I told through the exhibition wasn't just about DJing and it's quite interesting looking back on it because it was done in 2018 I told the story of a black bisexual girl growing up in Manchester from, I was born in 1966, so, and I left Manchester in 1994, and then I've lived all over Europe, whatever. So it told that story of this person, whether it was through education, TV, radio, all the things I'd done, um, poetry, um, ed, uh, you know, just tackled lots of different aspects. And it talked about racism, talked about feminism, it talked about LGBT, it talked about just the experience of being black and growing up in Manchester in you know from 1966 to 1994 you know going through like three different um flashpoints in manchester and black history um so when i did that exhibition it was like i was talking about this whole i didn't have a hashtag black lives matter i didn't have a hashtag to um, you know, an umbrella hashtag for it. But looking back on it from 2020, that's exactly what I was talking about. And it's just so refreshing to go back to that and say, yeah, I was right. You know, everything I talked about in that exhibition has come to open discussion two years later. And, um, you know, at least I feel like I'm consistent in the things I talk about. <laughs> you know, I feel like I just wasn't new to any of it. I've been telling people about this experience from time and whether they chose to listen or not in 2018. Now they have to in 2020. So, um, uh, so in that respect, the word legend it's kind of nice hearing it because I've been through a lot of different experiences in my life. You know, like I say, I'm not just a DJ. I studied in Manchester. I got my degree in English from 
Manchester Metropolitan University. <clears throat> now, O levels, A levels, degree in English sorted was supposed to go and do a master's didn't because i'd started djing and then then i was presenting tv working for granada i was presenting radio working for radio one and so i've just had lots of different experiences it's like a little kaleidoscope and then when I moved to London, I was working in PR for record labels. So I was working for Mercury Records. I was responsible for the PR for Talking Loud from 1994 to 98. My artists were Ronnie Sides and Represent, New Eureka and Soul, Four Hero, Terry Callier. Um, and um, what else? I've missed one. It'll come back to me. And then Manifesto. Todd Terry, Josh Wink, David Morales, like all these big DJs that were just bubbling under and coming to being as superstars. So um, I was working in the music industry in a totally different way, but having similar success. So, uh, and working with really big people, because I was working with Giles Peterson, I was working with Eddie Gordon, I was working with Judge Jules, I was, you know, just like, I've done a lot. So, and I've done a lot that I don't talk about. When I went to live in France, I, yeah, I was kind of DJing at a really super high level. So the DJs that were my peers and that I was on the posters with was David Guetta, Bob Sinclair, Martin Solvig, Joachim Garod, um, Etienne de Crecy, Pedro Winter, like they, they were the names that my name was on the poster with, like, and I was the only, um, really the only woman that was DJing at that level with those names in France for like eight years. So, um, so and, and people don't even really talk about what happened when I was in France because it's France and people in England don't speak French so they couldn't really care less. But to French people <laughs> from 2004 to 2013, if you say my name, it will have a different effect as it does in Manchester. So um, hearing the name legend, even though people might think it's a, a bit overblown, I think it's a bit overblown because there are people that I think are real legends, like Carl Cox is a legend, but he's like an icon. Um, Honey Dijon is a legend, but she's an icon. Um, Giles Peterson is definitely, you know, to me, he's bowed down, you know, like absolute hero of mine. But it's nice, you know, I, I'll take it. You know, it's better than someone saying you're a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I going to turn it down, you know? It's like... <laughs> No-brainer, I'll yeah. take it. <laughs> uh, you, you've earned it. I mean, it's an incredible story. It's incredible what you've achieved. So, um, you know, um, but it's, it's, it's also great to hear that there's um, um, 
you know, there's stuff to be optimistic about as well, I feel like. Uh, and there's um, loads because there's so many new people, so many, so much new music coming through, so many new faces that like the, the new guard is really vibrant. Like mind blowing what's happening. And what I'm seeing with the younger DJs is it's not just about the brand to them now. That brand thing is old. It's a bit tired. What I'm seeing with the younger DJs now, it's what's called a polymath, isn't it? Where they just are so good at lots of different things. So like Jaguar Bingham, she's a journalist. She's a TV presenter, she's a radio presenter, she's a really great DJ, she's an organiser, you know, polymath. But like, they do more than one thing. Funk Butcher has a record label, he's a DJ, he's a magazine editor, you know, just like, they do so many other things. And that is just like, fantastic to see. I love seeing that. It's just like because that gives me hope. Like all of this was worth it. That's excellent. I mean, um, yeah, I think yeah, they'll they'll probably have something to say about the influence you've had as well. So, <laughs> well, she's mental. She talks a lot, <laughs> and she doesn't give up. It's like just keep up the momentum. Just keep saying, keep saying. Like, and there's lots of other things that I'm working on as well. So. Um, because the conversations are open now, we can have, I don't know, because the gaze has turned inwards this year, it's meant that we can have lots of difficult, uncomfortable conversations. And it's meant that we can start working on um, things that maybe people wouldn't have touched before. So there are um, a couple of initiatives I'm working with the NTIA, I've become a patron of the NTIA, which is the Nighttime Industries Association. And I'm working on an initiative with them. I'm, I'm on the panel for diversity and inclusion with them. And I've also started an initiative um, about sexual misconduct and um, you know where we're gonna go in the future with that um, within the music industry. So I've started to do a lot of background work as well again which is fantastic because it means we can have these conversations we can clear it out and that's nice that's optimism yeah you, you got a lot to to look forward to do you think I mean I know obviously we've the first part of the interview we definitely touched on the sort of negative things that are going on and the difficulties but I mean it sounds like there's still things to to look forward to well, I mean I've got so much to learn like I I still really want to make a track on my own and I'm just a bit sick with a computer so you know I am um, I'm waiting for that moment when I can get back and sit in the Apple store and do a like you know do the seminars and start learning to put a track together myself um and apart from that i want to get back in the studio and work with my friend um and buyer because we've got three tracks that were half done that need finishing and lockdown kind of 
put the kibosh on that. So I'd, I'd like to finish them. And um, yeah, I just really want to learn a lot more about what I'm capable of. And I think there's a lot of things that I should be doing that I'm not yet. And I need to get back into. So I need to get back into my modeling. I need to get back into my TV. I need to take my radio a lot more seriously. But, you know, picking up another show on Worldwide has been nice. And reform continues. And But, you know, maybe I should be um, punching a bit higher. I don't know. Maybe I should. Yeah. Maybe the legend term is going to be is going to come back again in another uh, in another wave at some point when you've got a <laughs> your belt. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully it won't go away. I think that's what I've got to do: keep up the momentum so that it doesn't go away. That's what I need to do. Exactly. <laughs> and that was the legendary DJ Paulette speaking to the state of the arts. Um, I thought that was an absolutely fascinating conversation and it was great to hear about all the things Paulette's been up to and will be getting up to. Make sure you head to our website to check out the gallery she put on at the Lowry and uh, keep an eye on what Paulette's doing by following her on uh, social media. And remember you can listen to our other podcast episodes and find out everything you need to know about what's going on in the North creatively by heading to our website at www.thestateofthearts.co.uk. 